Well, good morning. It is uh, great to be back. Uh, a few months ago, I sent a picture of Scott when he was about 10 years old. I sent it to some key leaders, and uh, he banned me from Texas as a result. And so <laughs> I finally got back in his good graces, but I'm back out of his good graces because he said I have persecuted him for the last three or four days because I've just been telling him the truth about himself. And uh, so you know how that goes. But it's sure good to be back with you, and thank you so much for the privilege of being able to come and share with you on this kind of cool Sunday for Texas, isn't it? And uh, it is a blessing to be with you. I love my church family at First Baptist Church, Wimberley, and we are doing very well socially distancing, aren't we? I'll be glad when this is over. And uh, we can embrace each other the way that we should as brothers and sisters in Christ. It is great to be with you. Scott's given me a very difficult topic to talk about this morning because what we're going to talk about is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We're talking about commitment. And uh, I can tell you the biggest issue that you have and that I have is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Will we allow Him to be Lord in every area of our lives? I was reading in the Gospel of John, the second chapter, and the second chapter is when Jesus turned the water into wine. He also uh, cleansed the temple, and he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, and a lot of people were following him because they were seeing the signs that he was doing. And they were following him because he was working all these miracles and doing all these wonderful things. But then we have a statement there that said, but Jesus would not commit himself to them because he knew what was in man. In other words, he knew that it was absolutely superficial. And that scripture has always bothered me because it's led me to the thought about commitment to Christ. And that thought is this. It's not whether I'm committed to Christ. It's whether or not Christ is committed to me. Am I living my life in such a way that Jesus will entrust to me the eternal riches that he gives us in Christ. And that's a whole nother thought. We talk about our commitment to Jesus, but we flip that and say, wait a minute, what about Jesus' commitment to us? And when I think about that, I think about how unworthy I really am of all that Jesus has done for me. I woke up this morning early thinking about this message and just simply praying this prayer, Lord, help me be the person that you want me to be. All for Jesus Lord, help me to be worthy of what Christ has done for me. And so when we think about commitment to Christ and what it means to be committed to Jesus, then we have to realize that what Jesus demands is this, is that we take up our cross daily and follow him. And so I want to go to some scriptures this morning to share with you what Jesus had to say about commitment. This is Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. Just follow along. And he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. For what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, 
The Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in, his, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. That's in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. Then in Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 and 38. If anyone loves his father or mother more than me, he is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's Matthew 10, 37, 38. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his own soul or his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes with his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And then in Luke 14, 25 through 27, Jesus said this, large crowds were following Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. I read all those scriptures from the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke just to show you the emphasis that Jesus put on the high cost of following him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German Christian, said this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. In other words, when we come to Jesus, we trust him fully as our Lord and Savior, but we give our lives wholly to him. This is the problem that we have. We love the grace of God. I love the grace of God. I love the very fact that if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. God's grace truly is amazing. The fact that God knows everything about us and yet he still loves us is an amazing truth. If you knew everything about me, you might not even like me. <laughs> but God knows everything about me and yet he loves me. That is a miracle. We love God's grace. And in great, by grace, we're saved through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We come in humble repentance and faith, and we ask Christ to forgive us of our sins, and we turn from them, and we turn to him, and we give him our lives. We say, Lord, here is my life. I commit myself to you. And that's where the struggle begins, because that's where lordship really starts. It is, will I let Christ truly be the Lord of my life in every area of my life, my family, my work, my recreation, every aspect of my life, will Christ truly be the Lord of my life? When you think about defining lordship, you have to realize it's defined in three areas. First, in terms of priorities. In our priority, it just simply says this, Jesus Christ is first. In every area of my life, Christ is first. The apostle Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul said, Jesus became Lord of all. In Philippians, Paul would say, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. 
You see, that's where the struggle really is, isn't it? Will we allow Christ to be first in our lives and our priorities? When I was doing the doctoral studies at the seminary in New Orleans, we had to read a, a lot of stuff, I'm telling you. I'd go to the library and check out 50 books at a time, read those books, and then go and get 50 more and uh, read those books. But one of those books was a book by Ernest Mosley called Priorities in Ministry. And he said, we got our priorities all wrong. Most of the time when we think about our priorities, we go one, two, three, four, down the list. This is our number one priority, so forth. But he said, we need to look at our priorities as concentric circles. And he said, at the core of that priority is our relationship with Jesus. And listen, when you're right with Christ, every other relationship is going to be blessed by that relationship with Jesus. He said, if you're strong in your core in your relationship with Christ, and Christ is your heart priority, then every other relationship is going to be positively impacted by that relationship with Jesus. And it's true. I can say this, that Vicki and I, we're closer to one another when we're close to the Lord. And we share in that devotion with Christ with one another. We are closer to each other. I'm closer to my son and my grandkids as a result of that. And by the way, while I'm camping out at that particular place, we're expecting number four in, in less than 10 days. I have become grandstand. Isn't that great? So uh, grandstand, that's got a ring to it, doesn't it? As much as I have sit, sat in bleachers watching my son play baseball from the time he was a, a little toddler all the way to the Colorado Rockies, I can tell you, grandstand is an appropriate name. I have been there a lot. But I'm finding out that that relationship with Jesus in the center, priority one, has such a positive impact all the way down in every other relationship. And you've been talking about relationships and strengthening relationships and what that's all about. But the Lordship of Jesus Christ is the key to it all. Commitment to Christ. Well, what about in terms of decision? In terms of priority, Christ number one. In terms of decision, it just simply means this. It means that it's God's will. Not what I want, but what God wants. That is so important, not only personally, but also in the life of the church. We don't come with an agenda. The agenda that we come with is simply this. What is God's will? What does God want? You know, when we stop and do that and we get that priority straight in the church, you know what happens? Incredible unity in the body of Christ. The personal agendas and the personal wants and wishes and all those things go away. And you truly have this expression that I hear so much when I come here, and that is, all for Jesus. <laughs> and it truly is all for Jesus. And so in terms of decision, it's what... God wants. Jesus modeled that for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed. You remember that? He said, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He knew what that cup was. That cup was his death. It was his giving his life on the cross. He said, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will. Your will be done. And he submitted himself to the cross because that was the will of the Father. And I'm so glad he did, because he died on the cross for our sins, and God raised him on the third day to give us life. We have our eternal hope. 
And so when it comes to priorities or lordship of Jesus Christ, in decisions it means, God, what do you want? I have a wonderful Cuban pastor friend. His name is Argelio Sanchez. He's pastor at Second Baptist Church in Santiago, Cuba. Things are horrible in Cuba. They don't have enough food. They don't have a lot of anything. COVID has caused the churches to be shut down. It's a mess down there. It's a mess here, but it's worse there. And, and Argelio told me, he said, you know, Stan, I could leave Cuba and come and pastor a church in Miami. They have asked me to come to Miami. I can leave Cuba and pastor a church in Miami. And I've been praying about that, but you know what God said to me? Argelio, it's not what you want. It's what I want. And he said, God clearly said to me these words. You need to stay here with my people in Cuba. I need you here. And Argelio, threatened by the government, in a lot of different ways, told me, he said, you know what? I'm staying right where God wants me to be because that's his will. And I think about that decision, I think about that commitment, and I think about how unworthy I am because so many times in my life I have been so self-centered and so self-seeking that it was all about me, but there came a time in my life when I was flat on my face before God, and that, in that moment I realized it was no longer about me, it's all about Jesus and that's all that matters, all about him. Well, in terms of priority, in terms of decision, what does it mean defining Christ's lordship in terms of action? In terms of action, Paul would say it this way, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In terms of action, it's all for Jesus. I, an, I brought an old Baptist hymnal with me. Uh, this morning. You know, we don't sing out of this thing very much anymore, but it's got a lot of good songs in it. And I, I kind of like the old songs myself, but I like the new ones too. I just like it all. That's, that's where I am. But there's, a, there's an old song in that hymn book that says, All for Jesus, I surrender. Y'all heard that song? I surrender all. In terms of action, all for Jesus, I surrender. Now, let's stop for just a second. Let's have a pause for just a moment. Let me ask you a question. Are you committed to Christ? Is Christ committed to you? Tough questions. You have to look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself that question. Am I truly devoted to Christ? But then, does Christ see my commitment? And is Christ committed to me? Wow. That's a sobering thought. So in defining lordship, we define lordship in terms of priorities, decisions, and actions. But let's talk about the cost of following Jesus. It is costly to follow Jesus. Jesus said that, didn't he? He said, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. Let me remind you that the cross was not some piece of jewelry that we wear around our neck or something that we put on top of the steeple of the church. The cross in Jesus' day was a symbol of death. It was the Romans' means of execution. 
And the Romans made the prisoner carry his own cross to the place of his execution. Jesus carried his cross as far as he could. And so the cross was a symbol of death, but it was more than that. In carrying the cross, the Roman prisoner was saying, I am submitting myself to Rome. Rome is my master. And that was a symbolism of carrying that cross. And so when Jesus carried the cross, he wasn't saying, Rome is my master. He was saying, God is my master. And I'm carrying this cross because this is the Father's will. And he said, you know what? If you're going to be my disciple, you got to die to yourself. you got to take up the cross. you got to follow me. You've got to submit your life to another master. And that master is Jesus. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and you'll find rest for your soul. And you know what? This, that's the most incredible thing, is that when we give ourselves to Christ completely, and we die to self, and, and we live for Christ, then we really find life. <laughs> we, we really find out what it's all about. It's all for Jesus. And so the cost of lordship of Christ spiritually is just simply this. All to Jesus, I surrender All to him, I freely give. I I own no other master. You're the Lord of all. But you know, the lordship of Christ spiritually, let's talk about the lordship of Christ practically, what what it costs practically. Let me just name some things here that uh, can, can be a part of the cost of Christ's lordship in practical terms. Loss of family, friends, and social status. That can happen in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Peter said, you've given your life to Christ. Now you're being ridiculed and criticized because you have another master. The crowd you used to run with, you don't run with anymore. And they are are maligning you. They're saying all kinds of evil things about you. Why? Because of your commitment to Christ. What about the loss of financial security? To a rich young ruler, Jesus said, go sell everything you have and come follow me. And he walked away sorrowful because he had many possessions. The disciples looked at him and said, man, you mean that's what? And Jesus said, I've got to have first place in your life. To the rich young ruler, he said, what about this separation from family and friends? God might call you to go somewhere that you're no longer close to your family and friends. Was I, when I was in seminary, there were guys who said, I'll follow the Lord anywhere as long as it's in, in southwest Mississippi. <laughs> I want to be close to mama. <laughs> but commitment says, wherever he leads, I'll go. What about this loneliness and suffering? Difficult. I think about my pastor friends in Cuba and in other places and what they're enduring simply for the cause of Christ. What about hardships? I want to read you about Paul's uh, little deal here about hardships. Listen to this, things that cost Paul. Uh, I'm going to go over here to uh, 2 Corinthians. Listen to this. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys. In danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers in the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false witnesses. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst often without food and exposure. And from such external things, there was a daily pressure upon me of my concern for all the churches. Paul said, this is what it cost me to follow Jesus. You see, unfortunately, we want to be comfortable instead of committed. We want things our way And we get comfortable in our relationship. And when we do, we get sloppy. You see how hard this sermon is? This is one of the most difficult messages that I can preach. Because I tell you why it's so difficult. Because it hits me so hard in my own heart. And I don't feel like I'm alone. (laughs) How committed are we really, truly to Christ? And so there's a cost involved. And that cost might be extremely costly if we seriously get real in our relationship with Christ. How committed are we? How committed are we as a church? Are we willing to sacrifice our personal preferences for the mission that God has called us to? Are we willing to get out of our comfort zone and get involved in ministering to children down there on the border that's become a political mess, but let's get rid of the political mess and let's realize the humanity mess of people who need the love of Christ? Are we willing to pay the price in our devotion to the Lord Jesus. It's costly to be committed to Christ. It might make you uncomfortable. You might find yourself in a, in a place where you never would have dreamed of being, and yet you know that you're right where God wants you to be. It's not where we are, it's who we're with. And when we're with the Lord, and the Lord is with us, and by the way, there's no way that you can ever go that God's not with you, It's an amazing thing. I believe that God is calling First Baptist Church of Wimberley to a task that is so large and so great that the only way it can be accomplished is by our commitment to Christ and saying, Lord, it's your way, not my way. God, you show us what you want, and we're going to join you, God, in what you're doing. That's what it's all about. Well, what about... Losing the game. Is it worth following Jesus? Is it really worth giving him your all? Paul in Philippians, he said, you know, uh, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. I'm going to tell you all, 
It's worth it. It's worth it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world? Lose his own soul. Y'all, it's, it's worth it. It's worth giving your life wholly to him and being totally committed to Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this whole world affords today. Oh, I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. Oh, I'd, I'd rather have my Jesus than anything. This old world affords today. It's worth it. 